Arizona, Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Our weekly visit with a Coyotes front office insider, member of the Coyotes front office, and of course with the big vote coming down with the Tempe City Council a couple of days ago, we are more than happy to talk with Coyotes president and CEO Javier Gutierrez, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show with Tim Ring filling in for Gambo. Javier, good afternoon. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope all is well. Thank you for your time, man. How you doing? Burnsy, Tim. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me as always. Hey, buddy. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about the atmosphere the other night, the 7 nothing vote by the Tempe City Council, and sort of in that moment now, what that means in the moment, and now what that means moving forward for the Coyotes in the city of Tempe. Oh, it's a momentous occasion. It really was a milestone and starts with just a moment of gratitude to the great folks in Tempe, the, the city council, a 7-0 vote, a unanimous uh, vote uh, for this project and all the great people who work at the city of Tempe, all the great, uh, you know, city staff and to all our fans and all our fans in waiting, they should be so excited. This was real validation about the vision of this project. And as I've pointed out, you know, a 7-0 vote, that wasn't just seven individuals. These are individuals who have their ear to the ground of their constituents. And so they're really reflecting what we know to be just significant approval in the city of Tempe. Um, and it, it was just fantastic. And again, I start by, by really recognizing Alex Morello and the commitment that he's had from the moment that he bought this team in the summer of 2019 to say, I am going to come up with an arena solution to put this organization on a path to sustained success. And he's put his money where his mouth is in terms of a temporary solution at Mullet Arena. And here we are. $2.1 billion privately financed sports and entertainment district that will be the home of the Coyotes for decades to come is one step closer to reality. Hey, Javier, what did it mean to you and Alex personally to have Gary Bettman on hand and speak? And what do you think the impact uh, it had on the voters to have Commissioner Bettman speak? I think it was massive to not only have uh, Commissioner Redman, but also Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. And just so you know, guys, they literally flew in, stayed for the vote and stayed through the vote. It was four hours and then got on a plane and flew right back uh, to the East Coast. It just shows their commitment. I mean, they have been steadfast in their belief that hockey works in this market. They fundamentally believe, as we do, this is a hockey town. And they have really shown it with their actions over the years. And and that was just, again, another glimpse into their commitment to this community and their support of us. They've been very clear. They support Alex. They support me. They supported this organization. They believe in this project. They've, They've said it themselves. This is the right project. This is the right deal. And we are the right team to make it happen. And I think their presence there was significant. I think it meant a lot to that council. I think it set the tone to the voters that we're now going to go and, and get on board for a May 16, 2023 vote. And uh, by the way, they'll be back. They will be back before the end of the season to make sure that they are going to 
spread the word about why the NHL is so behind this, why this is a hockey town, and why this project is going to be so transformative. Javier Gutierrez, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, the president and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes. So city council votes 7 nothing in favor of advancing the project. Now it goes to a public vote. You mentioned the date, May 16th, 2023. That's, you know, it, it'll be here before we know it, but that's still a ways off. Is there anything else that happens between now and then, or is the vote the last piece of the puzzle that needs to be put into place when it comes to this? Well, the next step actually started yesterday morning, 9 a.m., when we went to the city clerk's office, and you have to go and you have to, you know, uh, pull a petition on the three uh, things that were voted on uh, the night before, which were, again, the development agreement, the general plan amendment, and the zoning. And all those three were unanimously approved by the council. You pull a petition. We have to gather, which is basically about 2,100 votes for each of those three things. So call it 6,300 in total. So we have begun that process of gathering those signatures from valid you know, voters, valid signatures from voters in Tempe. We have committed to the city that we're going to do that in 10 days so that they can go ahead and and validate those signatures before the end of the year. And then the campaign would start thereafter. Hey, Javier, for those who have just kind of followed this on the periphery and only hear arena, obviously, we both know that that's not the case. This is a this is a, a landfill to landmark, as it's been called, and it, it's a lot more than a than an arena going up. For those who are unsure of exactly what you guys are proposing to build, do you want to take a minute or two and just kind of run through everything that you guys are are going to be building uh, in Tempe and and what it, what all is going up and and what the plan is. Absolutely, Tim. Thanks for saying that. And you're right. It is a landfill. So people understand it's 46 acres on Priest and Rio Salado, a budding Tempe Town Lake. And it's a landfill. And in fact, actually, a compost pile on it caught on fire in the summertime. And, the you know, half of it is this, this just piece of dirt. And the other half, the city's still using as a facilities maintenance yard where they put all their trucks at the end of the day uh, for the city. And our premises, we're going to buy the land. We're going to remediate it. We're going to remove one and a half million tons of contaminated soil, almost 30 feet down. And we're going to build a just the main and main of the state and of the valley. It's going to be, yes, our arena, our practice facility, which we open to the public. But it's more than just a sports facility. We're going to have two hotels, a 200-key boutique and a 300-key convention. We're going to build 350,000 square feet of retail and restaurants, what I've dubbed the Rodeo Drive of Arizona. We're going to build almost 2,000 units of housing. We're going to build a medical office facility that already we have a tenant, a major Arizona-based medical company that's going to move their headquarters and almost 3,000 employees just for them. And then we're going to do a 3,500 to 4,000 per person theater that's more flexible space for smaller shows and comedy shows and what have you. This is going to be a transformative urban redevelopment project. It, yes, it is going to be the state-of-the-art arena new home of the Coyotes, but it's more than that. It is really, really going to be an urban village. It's going to be a transformative project, and we are really, really seeing this as an iconic architectural piece that will redefine the skyline for the entire valley. You know, I, I often can 
kid around. You know, when I showed up here in the summer of 2020, I asked somebody, I said, so where, where's the tree lighting for Phoenix and Arizona? And they kind of struggled to tell me. I said, well, you know what? We're going to go and build it. We're going to go build the place. We're going to have the Tree Lighting Act. And that's the way you should think about it. It's going to be the town square for this state. All right. Last question for Javier Gutierrez. Leave us with this one, Javier. Um, you mentioned campaigning for this. Obviously, the election's still several months away. There, there's work to be done. When you've, you've started those efforts by collecting the signatures, when do you expect the true campaigning among the citizens of the city of Tempe to really begin in earnest when those votes, you know, when the ballot starts to, to happen in May? Yeah, well, you know, we actually feel like it's already started, right? We've spent so much time by, you know, all of our efforts. And I talk a lot about these are these are actions. These are not words that we're doing. It started by our commitment to being in Tempe. Remember, we are already a Tempe business. We're already there in the community. We're seeking to stay there permanently. And so by being at Mullet Arena, that's already part of the campaigning. We've done extensive outreach in the community because as you know, Bernsey, really, this is about impact. How do we as an organization make a difference in the community around us? And so those efforts with community leaders, with nonprofits, with the people in Tempe, the, the schools, the school districts, it's already begun. And then after the first of the year, that's when you're going to start more than likely seeing, you know, the advertising, the digital ads, the mailers, the all those things that you see in a normal campaign and those will run through May and uh, we think though it, it goes hand in hand everything that we stand for everything that we've done to date as an organization and now a very targeted campaign towards a May 16th vote and of course we're going to use all of these home games that are all backloaded that's going to be you know a, a real great platform for us to make sure people register make sure people get out to vote and make sure people are informed about this this uh, really, really just transformative opportunity. Javi, we uh, appreciate the time as always. Congratulations on the city council vote a couple of days ago. I'm sure we'll talk real soon, okay? All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you as always, and go Yokes. All right. Thanks. thanks. Javier Gutierrez joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line, President and CEO of the Coyotes. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show with Tim Ring filling in, it's always been thought that maybe one day Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton could become Kobe and Shaq. Is that day here? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm going to play everybody a soundbite. This was before DeAndre Ayton was drafted by the Suns, March 30th of 2018. So this would have been right after they got eliminated, right? Because didn't they lose in the first round with Aiton there? I think they lost to Buffalo, if I remember right, in 2018. Oh, the, the, the Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah, yeah right. The Suns. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not talking about the Suns. They didn't sniff the playoff back in those days. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> they got about, the number one pick. <laughs> they had the number one pick, Bernsey. <laughs> sorry about the Wildcats and, and the NCAA tournament. So this, was, this would have been sometime before the draft and after the Wildcats season ended. Yes, he could see himself on the Suns back then, and yeah, he even used the comp of the classic Lakers teams from 15 years ago. Where do you want to go? Where, do you, where would you love to play I mean, Honestly, for my mother, I can see myself in Phoenix. Okay. You know? All right. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. For my Devin mother. Booker opened, some, opened a little yeah. space for you, too, inside. Yeah, I can see a little Shaq and Kobe 2.0. Yeah. yeah. That was four and a half years ago. That was four and a half years ago. Now, look. I swear to God, Tim. Tim Ring filling in for Gambo, everybody. 
Give him a round of applause. I swear to God, Tim, I am not reaching this conclusion after one game. I've not arrived at this conclusion. I'm not I'm not planting a flag and saying, yep, this is what I believe, and we're here, and this is how it's going to be. But I'm telling you, watching these two play these last five or six games, watching these two, te- two, these two guys play with each other over these last five and six games, I would be lying to the audience, and I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I haven't at least thought Hey, you know what? Maybe we're starting to get there. Maybe we're starting to arrive at that magical place of it took us. We had to go a long, long way to get there. We had to go around many mountains to get there. Are we getting there? Are we starting to see the seeds of that be planted with these two? Well, Booker's a lot closer to Kobe than Aiton is a closer to Shaq. I can tell you that right now. Fair. Um, Aiton's been nowhere near Shaquille O'Neal, a young Shaq. A prime shack, an older shack, nowhere close. Uh, Aiton obviously has been a work in progress his entire career. But we're starting to see signs of the dominant player that we always hoped DeAndre Aiton could and, and, will, and will someday be. And these last four games have been tremendous. A Western Conference Player of the Week. The numbers his last four games, I, I read them uh, out loud, the couple segments ago, 30 and 14, 17 and 12, 29 and 21, 28 and 12. I mean, he's been dominant, absolutely dominant. And he's taking the ball with great force to the basket. He's dunking it. He's not just relying on the turnaround fadeaway jumper and the face-up jumper. He's becoming the dominant force that we always hoped he would be. Now, is he trending towards becoming another Shaquille O'Neal? I just don't think he's physically going to ever be there. Okay. I mean, Shaq was a... Shaq was a force of nature we may never see again. Now, having said that, could Devin Booker and Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton be the backbone of a team that could win three championships in a few years? I, I, I don't see why not. Yeah. I, I don't see. I don't see why not. Like, like he's twenty five. Booker's twenty six. Okay, when Devin Booker's twenty nine, thirty, and thirty one. And DeAndre Ayton's 28, 29, 30. If James Jones puts the right pieces around them, yeah. and Steph Curry's gone, and LeBron's gone, and Durant's gone, and the other guys in the league are Luka and Giannis and, and Bede and Tatum, if, they, if, if the way these guys are trending, mm-hmm. if they have the right pieces around them, could those two guys, from what I'm seeing right now, right here, right now, win three titles? Absolutely. We've been we've, absolutely we've been teased by DeAndre Ayton before, so I'm going to be very cautious. And like I said, I'm not planting any flags. I'm not making any definitive declarations here. We're going to we, we caution is required when it comes to anything with DeAndre Ayton. We've we've seen glimpses before. We've been teased before. We've had, I mean, hell, during the the, the playoff runs where they went to the finals, we saw it over the stretch of. Two months, basically, where DeAndre Ayton was that guy, and then he followed it up with a season that was good last year, but he didn't really build off of the success that he had in the playoffs, and that was very frustrating for a lot of people. Um, I, I, I'm glad you clarified this, because in no way was I trying to imply that DeAndre Ayton was Shaquille O'Neal's physical equal. He's not. Shaq, Shaq was... Nobody was. Nobody was. I mean, honestly, sometimes you go back. I know there's a documentary out about him now. I want to go back and watch it because I kind of want to relive my college age years and my early 20 years when Shaq was that guy. He was... 
he was a natural wonder. I mean, he was he was an unbelievable force of nature that would wreck people, just physically wreck people. Nobody had an answer for him in the NBA back in the day. It's it's funny if you're a bit younger and you remember the Suns Shack or even the Heat Shack. But you don't quite remember the Magic Shack or the early Lakers Shack. Oh my God! He put a hurting on you. He, you, you it, had, you had no physical answer for it, him. It, he still couldn't shoot. He didn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> remember all the debates I mean, about his free throw shooting? Who it cares? was freaking <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, it was. So I wasn't trying to say that Aiton. I, I was talking about them, and I was talking about them together as this sort of, sort of. I'm the perimeter guy. You're the inside guy. I'm the creator. Oh, sure. You're the finisher. I'm the, the, you know, and not that Booker can't finish, and not that even DeAndre Ayton can't create, but just this idea of big man perimeter guy. Let's team up and go to work, right? And, and win a championship or two or three. No, I hear you, and, and that's why I eventually got around to that. To make sure that nobody's ever going to say DeAndre Ayton's going to be another Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not even sure DeAndre was saying that. I think even DeAndre was saying, like, hey, we can pair up like those two guys did and win a few titles. Yeah. No guarantees. And you're right. DeAndre has teased us before. And it's one thing to score against Vucevic. Let's see how DeAndre does against Giannis Mm -hmm. and Embiid. And you only get a chance to play those guys a couple times a year. I get that. He's had great nights against Jokic, for sure. For sure. So, he does answer the bell against some of the best in the league. But I think, again, you're talking about a 25-year-old and a 26-year-old who are just scratching the surface of how good they can and will be. We know Booker's already an MVP candidate. And again, I look at how these guys are going to be in their late 20s. And if James Jones can put the right pieces around them and yep. Aiton continues to trend the way he's trending, I don't see... I don't see why they cannot win a title or two. The Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest featuring three incredible nights of shows, including Imagine Dragons, Dave Matthews Band, and Paramore will be headed to the Footprint Center from February 9th through the 11th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. You can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. 51 and three quarters, and that's just the tip of the iceberg for the number one seed in the West for the Western Conference Player of the Month for the Western Conference. Conference Coach of the Month. It's been a good time to be a Phoenix Suns fan. Kellen Olson is here to talk all things Suns next. Burns and Gambo, Tim Ring filling in. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with. Uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Kellen Olson, Suns insider, Suns guru, Suns specialist on ArizonaSports.com for his weekly segment here on the Burns and Gambo Show with Tim Ring filling in. It's always a pleasure to talk Suns basketball with K.O. What's going on, big time? What's up? Does this one work? It does. You know what? Okay. It's honestly the only thing that's worked today. I, 
Other than Tim. I mean, Tim's worked very well today. Hey, but Kellen, do you ever get sick of talking about the Suns? No, never. I've I've been in I've been in that seat probably like 175 times now. I've never done a guest spot in this seat before, and it's throwing off the geometry of the room. Your equilibrium. You're like too close to me now. <laughs> me. Like that he's extra three me. feet I get he's over there. Going to be when he says that. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm way uh, too close to Burnsy. I got to yeah. move somewhere else for good to say. Like hunched over for this microphone. Hi everyone. Let's uh, talk Suns. Let's, let's talk, talk basketball. Suns. And let's. I mean, you've you've documented. Just about every single moment that Devin Booker has ever had in a Suns uniform in one fashion or another, one medium or another. I'm not going to ask you where last night ranks because I know it's impossible to rank such things. But but in terms of those memorable moments, how to what level was that? Special for him. I mean, the, the, the most special. The you know, I, I just asked you not to rank it, but scored fifty and they won for the first time. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. How do you, how do you something. categorize that last night? It is the highest level I've seen him reach as a score in person. So the Utah games and the Boston games were on the road. Uh, I don't cover the team on the road in the regular season, so I didn't see those. I wrote the stories on the site still for those as as you're getting to. But the level that he reached as a score, there's moments in the third quarter where Chicago is going to double him, and he knows they're doubling him. So he's playing like this seven steps ahead thing where he's calling for a ball screen and doing that moving over there. So he can just get like four feet of extra space on the left so he can shoot just before the double team gets there because he knows the instant double team is coming because of the way that he's on fire. It was... I'll, I'll categorize it as that. Um, I got asked earlier if it was the best game he's ever played. I think you got to go through the postseason catalog first, and there's probably a dozen games that deserve to be ahead of this one, to be honest, just because of how meaningful they were, and you just saw the way that he single-handedly with his scoring kept them in the series as long as he could in the finals in games four and five when he was masterful scoring the ball, and we were just waiting for someone else. Like That game five, Middleton, Giannis, and and holiday all three of them were coming and book on his own was just key and it was like is anyone gonna have and it, who's and, gonna help who's and gonna it, help and you know what it didn't matter because he was doing it on his own for most of that game and then the bucks just hit the big punch at the end when the game was up in the air and that's the level of player that he's talking about i didn't mean to bring up old scars there for suns fans listening i just mean to say we're talking about game five of the nba finals but the level of scoring he reached he was matching three guys at the same time pretty much by himself with the way that he was scoring the ball and then it was just a matter of anything's gonna happen the last couple of minutes of a play Playoff game, it's it's a possession kind of thing where one possession can swing it, and that's the way that it was. But that's a level that he can reach, and that's the level that he showed again uh, against Chicago. It's not even that he gets on a hot on a hot shooting streak or anything like that. It just feels like he becomes one with the floor and the way that everything's moving around, and he's just able to score. Did you guys see the shot chart that he had? It's just yeah. there was not the, the same spot. It wasn't like littered with the right elbow like Chris Paul's. Sometimes it was everywhere on the court. He also, you know, Kelly, <laughs> the evolution of Booker as a scorer. Now- I mean, he's able to uh, he's able to score in traffic. He's able to get to the line and and finish uh, upon contact or finish with contact, get to the line. He's also able to elevate. And then if the defender plays him the right way, he's able to adjust in air and still be able to get his shot off and finish. So he's almost impossible to defend now. And listen, he always can knock down shots and, and threes, but the evolution, I, I, even from last year to this year, is, is he's taken about five steps in my mind. And I, I, he's even developing a post game now. I, I just 
just it's, it's astonishing to watch him grow, and I'm not even sure he's hit the ceiling yet. It's 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 been really something to watch. No, he hasn't. I don't think he'll reach the ceiling until he just decides to stop playing basketball. Because yes, physically he's going to slow down in his 30s, but he's just going to keep getting better every year. He's going to figure out the way. I mean, the example I bring up all the time is the Olympic the the Olympics. That was my favorite time watching Devin Booker ever because he was like, oh, uh, like two guys on the court are able to do this in terms of you're the star on every team you play. Now you got to be, it's like, oh, I got to be a glue guy. Okay. I'll, I'll be the, the pesky defender who's like fronting Gobert and picking up guys full court, diving for loose balls, grabbing rebounds, hitting a key shot here and there, but not really touching the ball that much. I'll run point guard when Dame goes out. Sure. It, it, he's always been that type of player to me. And the, the way that I would categorize what you're going off, Tim, is that he has un- unlocked everything now. And it's a matter of leveling it up further. And, and a lot of those things are already really leveled up in his game, but it's just they're progressively getting better and better. Like, he's started to see... He told me... I wrote a story three years ago, like, titled just that. It was his covering his evolution as a scorer. And he told me in his third year, that's when he had seen pretty much every single defense that the team was going to throw at him. Yep. And that was with terrible players around him, so he got to learn how aggressive they could be on him. So, you think about the last two postseasons he's been through, the and all the moments he's been through, and all the defenses and schemes that he's seen. So, he's... It's at the point now where he understands everything and has everything sort of downloaded, and now it's just a point of, of mastering it. And that's what's going to come in his prime, which is the scary part. He is not in his prime yet. Yeah. He's not even close, I don't think. I don't want to delve too deep into the minutiae here with Kellen Olsen on the Burns and Gambo show, but I, I do... We can sit here and talk about a big-picture conversation about Aiton, which is fine. But a couple of things I noticed about Aiton last night. His footwork down low was there were a couple of moments where it was pristine all right like like it was oh you can do that oh you've got that in your bag of trips and, and i know he's got a lot in his bag of tricks but that to me was the kind of stuff that if we're going to focus on the minutia for just a minute that seemed to be kind of like next level stuff for deandre yeah, the elite post players in the game are able to play with patience, but they're also able to play with quickness in the situations you're talking about where you can see the defender as they're contesting the shot being like, how did he get there that quick? And it was like he was getting to that right hook so quickly that the defenders on him, Vucevic, was just like a full step away from him because of how quickly he was moving through his motions. Yeah, I, I think his his footwork and just confidence in the post has been really good this year overall, and I think that the force and all that kind of stuff... it. It remains to be seen how, how consistent it's going to be, yeah. just like how, to play both sides, just like two weeks ago, how he was not playing well for four or five games. And we were saying, like, we don't know yet. We got to see a couple of games. Like, this is the roller coaster we're on. We're up and down, up and down, up and down. But the up right now, like, one thing I'm definitely seeing on the court to your footwork point is that when he catches the ball on a roll now and he's within 10 feet of the basket, he is planting both of his feet and he is destroying that thing through the rim. And if anyone is there, God help him. Like, it's just, <laughs> it, there was someone on, um, I think Detroit, like a help defender, like Rodney Magruder came over and he just bounced off of Aiden. Like it was, he was there a half step late and it was, it was done. And he's, he's done that a couple of times. The old elevate and detonate as Leander used to call it. Like that's what he's been doing. And that's of course where you're going to the Amari stuff and you start to get really, really excited. But at the same time, Burns, I wrote a story four years ago on the site, the day he got drafted that compared Amari's game to him and the steps that he can take there. He's gotten, he's taken steps since then. Don't get me wrong, but there's still a lot more progress to the yeah. force we're talking about with Amari is the force a few players players have ever had in a Suns jersey ever. Yeah, like that's, K- that's the kind of height he reached. KO, it was I think it was either the it was either the Knicks game or the Lakers game. You you will remember. He he exploded to the basket on a spin move and threw it down. And it's almost like it it unlocked something inside of him. 
he's been he's been known to take the fade away when he gets the ball four feet from the basket. But ever since he did that move, it was almost like, oh wow, I I, I can do this. And he's been a beast ever since. And I'll tell you something, you get to the free throw line when you play like that as well. And we've been waiting for DeAndre Ayton to play that way for a long, long time. And he's starting to do it now each and every night. And the stat lines have been reflective of that the last four games. And I don't know if that's something he needed to figure out himself or somebody on the coaching staff finally got through to him or he had to, again, just kind of come to that revelation on his own that you got to go to the basket sometime and not always take the fade away. Yeah, the standard has always been there, and I think that there's always been an understanding of what the standard is, meaning he knows the heights that his game can reach, and I think he's known for a while now. It's just a matter of it being out there every night. Is he supposed to put up 20-20 every night? No. I think people say say that all the time and just kind of like he can get 20-20 whatever night he wants to, but if he gets 20-20 every night, he's the best player in the world. Like it, it, that's, right. that's easier said than done, but I think the consistency that he can get to Gamble's old adage of like great players play great eight night eight, nine times out of ten for for nights and DeAndre's got to get that number, number number way up and hey look if we're having this same conversation in February I'm ready to have the conversation in an entirely different way we'll see just like the, the bad string of games just like the good string of games we yeah. we rock back and forth unfortunately there is very much a we'll see element to all of this when it comes to eight and just out of sheer necessity we have been we've been Tempted before. We've been teased before. You remember the dominating stretch when he had a game, I think, in Houston and Memphis where we were like, this is it. Yeah. He's got it. Or just even the 2021 postseason. Yeah. This is it. There he is. He's here. I remember In Houston and Memphis, I, re- I remember what the court looked like. I remember him pulling a spin move on Xavier Tillman going under the basket, dunking on the other side. Like, I can visualize it because that's how important it was. Our producer, Eric, is nodding his head. I can remember. Yes, yeah. you can remember that too. Yeah. Maybe his uh, Xbox controller is out of batteries. <laughs> oh, come on. So, let the man. Hey, you know who's playing a lot of Xbox lately? Devin Booker. Warzone came out two weeks ago. The new Call of Duty Battle Royale came out two weeks ago. And who just won Western Conference Player of the Month? <laughs> that would be Devin Booker. Let the gamers game, man. Yeah, let them game. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, you've been working hard the last 24 hours. A new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer just Ooh. dropped. So you better get out there and go watch Ooh. it and take I a will. break. Okay? There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. He and I speak the Marvel language. We do. We Kellen do. Kellen and I do. Yeah. Kellen Olsen, our son's <laughs> guru from ArizonaSports.com. Come Good on. You're stuff. not up on the Marvel movies? No. Yeah. No, no. I, just, I, I love the. I love. I just love a good Xbox joke with these, with these young players. You know. When we come back. He was called out by name. We weren't sure if he was going to respond. Boy, did he ever! K one VP two, and we'll get you caught up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, are you ready for the fully fleshed out Patrick Peterson explanation for what he said on his podcast, Tim Ring? Are you prepared? I am prepared. Are you ready? Are you ready? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> With the great ones, ride, ride, ride. All right, yeah. here's the full quote. I'm going to read it, and if it's a little long, I apologize, but this is what he said today. Patrick Peterson, of course, all things covered podcast yesterday, said Kyler doesn't care about anything other than Kyler, right? Quote, First of all, I don't have any beef with Kyler Murray. People said, oh, Patrick blatantly disrespected Kyler. I didn't do that. What I meant by my comment was when you're a franchise quarterback, you have to carry yourself a certain way. So if you're having bad body language, pouting, moping on the sideline, what type of energy you think that feeds off to your teammates? That's what I meant about Kyler 
caring about himself because he's not putting the team first. When you make a bad throw, you're coming off to the sideline, you're dropping your shoulders. How do you think the defense feels? If our starting quarterback don't have any energy, no fire that we can win this game, how can we? That's what I meant about Kyler caring about Kyler. I don't, I didn't mean no disrespect in any fashion or form, and I might not be his mentor, but these are the things, tips that I think I can help him be a better football player in the long run. It is what it is at the end of the day. Then the question, he mentioned you have his number. Did you reach out? I don't have his number. I did reach out. I did get his number from an ex-teammate. He didn't reply to the text. Um, but he would like to talk to him. I, I look forward to talking to him because I see a ton of talent in him. Does that jive with what... I'm done reading the quote, by the way. Does that jive I with mean, what you heard yesterday from Patrick Peterson on the podcast? Does that explanation bear any sort of, okay, I get it now. Oh, I see his point of view. Or did his comment yesterday on the podcast eclipse all of that? Well, I, the the follow-up comment doesn't help. It, it, that's just a longer version of what he said on the podcast, right? I. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to reconcile. It's a nicer version of what he said on the podcast. It's a longer. I think it's it's, 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 a, it's a longer, more detailed version of why Kyler Murray's a crappy teammate. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. But with, but with also some of the fangs taken out of it, with the Kyler Murray don't care about nothing but Kyler Murray. I, I mean, it's it, it provides that cuts it, to the quick a lot more than what I just read. Sure, I think. it. it, it but it, it really provides more explanation as to why Patrick Peterson thinks Kyler Murray is a bad teammate. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how it, it doesn't make it better. I mean, here's Patrick Peterson who played with Kyler Murray for a couple seasons is kind of speaking out loud and quite candidly about the issues he had with Kyler Murray as a teammate. Right. And we can't say for sure if other guys had those issues, but I would imagine that would be the case. We've heard other players perhaps have issues with Kyler Murray as a teammate. Um, So when Patrick Peterson blurts out, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. Sure, that cuts deep and doesn't offer an explanation. But then when he offers an explanation the next day or afterwards, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know how you feel if you're a car. Listen, Patrick Peterson is going to do whatever he wants to do. Clearly, he's moved on. I don't think Cardinal fans care much about Patrick Peterson. The way everything went down, the trade requests, the steroid suspension, the way he left, the way he's spoken out about the Arizona Cardinals. But I think what Cardinal fans do care about is what kind of quarterback do we have here. What kind of person is Kyler Murray? What kind of leader is Kyler Murray? What kind of locker room guy is Kyler Murray? What kind of quarterback is Kyler sure. Murray? Sure. So that's my concern. Regardless of what Patrick Peterson right, thinks about the situation. So yeah, trying, to, try, that. Trying, trying to figure out what we have here in our $240 million franchise quarterback. So when Patrick Peterson says these things, it, I, 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 I want to believe him because he was in that locker room and he's a smart guy. You may not like him. You may think he's a jerk, yeah, but I, I think we have to listen to him. I, I guess I, I, I just don't. I don't. 
when he says those things, I guess it still it still bothers me that that people think that way about Kyler Murray because he's going to be the quarterback here for a long time. Yeah, and that's and that's that concerns me as you're trying to win ball games here. Uh, you see where I'm going? No, with that? I, I, just, I do see where you're going. I mean, that, that was uh, I, I like the explanation because I was it it's it felt to me when I was reading the quote. And that was the first time I had read it. I, I had it in front of me, but I didn't have a chance to read it until just now when I did it. And it seems to me reading it that it was Patrick Peterson's best attempt to at least somewhat soften the blow of what he said. And, and I, I don't really think he did. Right, that's my he, point. He didn't he based, soften it. He didn't really soften it at all. He kind of said the same thing. I just, it's hard for me, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's hard for me to take anything Patrick Peterson says about the Cardinals organization or about Kyler Murray with a straight face because he clearly has such an axe to grind. Now, whether he's owed that axe is another conversation, but it's like his filter through which all things Cardinals pass has been so muddied and so poisoned by the relationship and how things are. I don't know if he's a reliable source of information when it, or a reliable source of opinion when it comes to the Cardinals because he just... Yes. He, 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 yes, I, I, I you agree know, like, with that. Like I, everything he could say about Kyler Murray could be true, but coming from him, of all... Is he the one I'm going to believe about it when it comes to it? Yes, I understand that, and like I said earlier, that should be considered, but he should not be dismissed. I guess if you're a Cardinal fan or a member of the Cardinal media, and you're trying to figure out what you have in your quarterback, and you're getting all this information, and you're listening to guys like Steve Young, Larry Fitzgerald, RG3, RG3, and... Uh, Ian Rappaport, who has sourced information about tense relationships with Cliff and Kyler, and you're listening to people who played with him, like Patrick Peterson, I don't think anybody should just be dismissed. I think you should take in all this information and try to process it and try to form an opinion and make a decision and try to make sense of it all. And then watch the kid play football on Sundays and even process more. Just real quick, 30 seconds. Did you like Kyler's response? I like Kyler standing up for himself. Because I think think Kyler, judging by Kyler's response, I think he felt that Patrick Peterson was two-faced. I think Patrick Peterson, in the eyes of Kyler, told him one thing to his face. Like, I got you, big little bro. I'm your mentor. That's why Kyler put those in quotes. Right, right. In other words, don't tell me one thing to my face yeah. and then pull that crap on a podcast. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Kyler called out Patrick Peterson for violating the code. You know, like, hey, you got something to say to me. We all know in this industry, that's not how you do it. Right. You got something to say. There's a way to do it. Right. And that's not it. And, I, I or don't dap me. Don't dap me up on the field about how, you know, we're boys. Yeah. And then and then kill me on a podcast. No, I, I, I like and we're going to talk more about that a little bit later, too, because I, I, I liked how Kyler responded. I don't know if that means everything in this, but in the context of this conversation, I like how he responded. When we come back, we are at the turn of the Burns and Gambo show. We're there four o'clock, which means it's time for the four o'clock reset. We'll get you caught up on everything next. Burns and Gambo.